Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at minkycouture.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I am Bryson Carver, and Carving It Up is presented by The Grid. We've got a great show for you guys tonight. Aaron Judge has made history last night. He had tied Roger Maris for 61 homers. That is an American League record. One more to pass the great Roger Maris, who, by the way, did it 61 years ago in 1961, hitting 61 homers. So crazy how it kind of came full full circle there for the judge and the fact that it was done by a Yankee, and I can say that as a Red Sox fan. I got to respect it. I'll leave the show off with that. Also talking about the Dallas Cowboys outlasting their division rival New York Giants by a final score of 23-16. to I'll tell you what it says about Dallas. A little bit of Giants take, but mostly going to stick with the Cowboys because, look, man, if it's Dallas Cowboys, if it's Jerry Jones, it's, it's going to be relevant in some way, shape, or form, whether they're winning or losing. And in this case, they're winning, and they have a winning record, and they've won two straight. I'll talk about that, as well as Lamar Jackson. Folks, I'm just going to say right now, if you don't get Lamar Jackson, you don't get football. I'll get to that later in the show, uh, as well as the fact that ESPN has my Golden State Warriors finishing in eighth in the Western Conference. Can't wait to get to that. The Warriors' disrespect just continues. And at the end of the show, week four in the NFL kicks off with a great matchup between the undefeated Miami Dolphins and the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, remember when Burrow and Tua faced off in college, LSU, Alabama? That game was crazy. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was 46-41. to 41. That game was in Tuscaloosa. I do remember that. And Burrow had his huge game. It's kind of his, his Heisman moment. Tua played great in that game as well. It was a great matchup. Uh, we can only hope for the, tonight's game to be half as good as that one, both teams being on a short week. Uh, but before we get into any sports, I would like to mention um, and, and address, uh, there's obviously something way, 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 way bigger in, than sports going on right now uh, in the state of Florida, in the area surrounding it, and that is, of course, Hurricane Ian. Uh, just wanted to send my, my best wishes, my thoughts, and my prayers to all the people down in Florida. I was actually talking to a guy today 
who lives in Miami. Uh, thankfully, he and his loved ones have been unscathed. So it sounds like the the, the southern part of Florida is is doing pretty well right now. So, but everywhere else, we again we lift our thoughts and prayers to you know all those people you know going through what they're going through with this hurricane. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, the hurricanes in in Florida are no freaking joke. So. Again, send the very, very best to, to, to all those people down there and, and hope that they can get back on their feet quickly and that we can, in some way, shape, or form, do our part to, to help them in that regard. So I, I never leave my show off with baseball. Certainly I don't during the regular season. But, I mean, the only time I ever leave my show off with baseball is usually in the postseason, and it's got to be like a big World Series game or like a Game 7 in the Championship Series. I talk about baseball in the postseason. I, I love postseason baseball. Uh, and regular season baseball is fine, but I almost never lead off the show uh, with baseball. Heck, I rarely talk about it. But last night, uh, and I can say this as a diehard, lifelong fan of the Boston Red Sox, the great Aaron Judge made history. He tied Roger Maris, 61 homers in a single season. That has not been done in exactly 61 years. Ties an American League record. Here's the call. Here's how it happened by Michael Kay, the voice of the Yankees on the Yes Network. And the 3-2. Joe deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history, and now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs, the most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history. Man, what a moment it was for Aaron Judge. You saw there, for the streaming audience, you saw Roger Maris's son. You saw Aaron Judge's mother uh, sitting with one another. They've been sitting together ever since Judge hit 60 last week. Uh, I forgot who that was against. I'm blanking right now. But last night in Toronto, making history. Uh, now he's only got one more to go to break the record. But you know what I think is incredible about this moment, let's let's talk about for Aaron Judge, and then we'll sort of get to the broader uh, the the broader picture in terms of Major League Baseball. For Aaron Judge, okay, this is a guy who was drafted 32nd overall in 2013 in the draft by the New York Yankees. He did not get called up until very late in the 2016 season. If for I'm sure Yankee fans remember, I certainly remember that was not a contending Yankees team. They won about 80 odd games, didn't make the postseason, and Aaron Judge only hit 179. So it, it wasn't like one of these situations like a Fernando Tatis Jr. or somebody coming on the scene and just like, whoa. Or like a Fernando Tatis Jr.'s teammate, Juan Soto, coming on the scene, kids 19 years old, helping the Nationals win the World Series in 2019. We're like, good Lord, this kid's talented. He hit 179. He didn't blow anybody away. 2017, and we all know that was his breakout season. He won the Rookie of the Year unanimously, finished second to Jose Altuve in the MVP voting, hit 50-plus homers. But then he dealt with some injuries. 2018, 2019, then you had the COVID year, 2020. And then you get around to 2021, and he was an all-star, but Aaron Judge was never a guy who hit for average. He has a chance to win the batting title this year. Now, albeit... You know, it's not going to take much to win the batting title this year. Usually, you got to hit around at least 335, 340. You only got to hit probably 320 this year if you look at the leaders uh, in, in batting average for Aaron Judge to, to, to win that. Obviously, he's leading the league by a country mile on home runs. Kyle Schwarber's in second. I'm not sure Kyle Schwarber has yet hit 40. 
with the Philadelphia Phillies, okay? So Aaron Judge hitting 61, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and, and as, as great as Shohei Otani has been, and obviously we know he won the American League MVP last year with the Angels, as great as what he's doing is, okay, I do think to a certain degree, and he only has so much control over it, but at some point, postseason contention has to matter at least a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Okay, the Angels are 33 and a half games out of first place in the American League American League West Division. They they were eliminated a long, long time ago from ever getting to the postseason, which they didn't really have high hopes to get there anyway. But you got the New York Yankees, who are going to be the two seed in the American League, only behind the Houston Astros. But for Aaron Judge this year, what I think is admirable about him, there's two things. Number one, and it actually applies to another athlete that I'm going to be talking about later in the show, that being Lamar Jackson, is that Aaron Judge has offered a big contract. He says, y'all disrespecting me. I'm worth more than this. The Yankees disagree. And a lot of people in the baseball media are like, what are you doing? You're, you're in New York with the Yankees. You're, you're 30 years old. You're going to make $200 plus million. You're uh, the face of the franchise. What do you do? He said, I'm going to bet on myself. And I think it's safe to say that has paid off big time. And it is going to pay off very, very, very well for Mr. Judge come wintertime when he gets a big contract. We assume with the Yankees, I'd be, I know there's reports like the Mets could go after him. And, you know, we, we know Steve Cohen is a very aggressive owner with the Mets. And I, I know there's, there's reports that uh, some other teams could go get him. He's staying in New York. I would be stunned if he left the New York Yankees. And the second thing from a more of a baseball perspective, as aside, as aside from a business perspective from Aaron Judge, what he did that a lot of the, the truly smart, the great players do, he adjusted. I was talking to a good buddy of mine, Barry Grant Jr., co-founder of The Grid, by the way, host of the All Even Podcast. We were talking about this a few weeks ago about how Aaron Judge has completely changed his swing. All right, if you look at tape from just last year, 2021 to this year, he changed his swing big time, so much so that it's paid dividends to the point where he's, again, he's in line to win the batting title until this season. He had never hit 300 in his career. So he's now becoming a truly all-around offensive player. He, he wasn't, he's not just a power hitter like he was when he won rookie of the year in 2017 moving forward. No, he's the all-around package offensively. And that's what you, we know he's a tremendous right fielder for the Yankees. He's great defensively. So he has really developed and evolved into an all-around baseball player. I respect that. I respect the fact that a guy bet on himself, felt like, you know what? I'm better than what the Yankees are offering me. I am the face of the franchise. You should pay me as such. And he's going to win big time. And now one more home run will put him in the record books for all time. So that's sort of my take on Aaron Judge individually. But as far as the broader picture for baseball, here's sort of my thing. So there's a lot of debate right now. Uh, Roger Maris's son had a press conference last night where he was saying, like, look, you know, this is a, a great accomplishment for Aaron Judge. He said, look, if he hits 62, he said, I think that should be considered the all-time single-season home run record because we know about uh, McGuire and Bonds, more homers, but they were juiced, okay? And so it sort of circles back to that, that old debate that we've been having for a long time now about steroids and their presence in baseball. Here's what I will say. 
Okay, because I've, I've, I've talked ad nauseum about the Hall of Fame and all that. I think it's bogus that guys like Bonds, A-Rod, Clemens are not in the Hall of Fame. I think it's bogus. But that aside, I do think it does add to Aaron Judge's credibility and to add to this great moment that he's not juiced. He's just 6'7". What are we going to give him? 267? I mean, the dude's an athlete. He played high school basketball. I think he had some offers to play college basketball. So he's, he's a great athlete. He's a big dude. He looks like a home run hitter. He looks like the face of the New York Yankees. So I think the fact that he wasn't juiced, and, and maybe it, it does, and maybe we shouldn't overreact to a historic accomplishment like this, but who knows? Maybe this opens the door for a new era of great home run hitters who hopefully, like Judge, are all-around hitters because analytics come way too much into baseball to the point. I'm not anti-analytics at all. I think we should use analytics, but not to the point where it's all about launch angle and it's all about strikeouts. Like, that's it. That's all we talk about. We don't talk about getting on base. We don't talk. No, it's just home runs and strikeouts. Aaron Judge has sort of went against the mold in that regard. And so I love that. So does he bring in sort of a new era of players coming behind him to where, yeah, they're power hitters. Yeah, they can go for 50 bombs in a season if they stay healthy long enough. In Judge's case, 60 plus. But do they become all-around hitters? Do they become all-around baseball players? So last night was an outstanding moment. I think the Yankees got a weekend series. I think they play the Orioles. I, I, I might be wrong on that. Let me check. Uh, the Yankees... Yankees schedule. Hold on. Let's see. Because the Yankees at this point, they've won 96 games. They clinched the American League East earlier this week. Yeah, they got a three-game series starting tomorrow against the uh, Baltimore Orioles. It's their last home series of the year. Then they go to Texas to play the Rangers in a four-game set to close out the regular season. But listen, I, I think it's only fitting that Judge hit 62 at Yankee Stadium. It's obviously not the old Yankee Stadium, but it's still, it's in front of it's in front of those fans. Uh, it, it'd be a great moment. I mean, you guys know, listen, I'm a Red Sox fan till I take my final breath on this beautiful earth. But I got to give respect where it's due. That was an awesome moment. I think it is fitting that it was a Yankee that broke Roger, or sorry, tied Roger Maris's record is in position now. Seven games left the regular season to break it. And I think something too, and we saw this with Steph Curry last year when he was approaching Ray Allen's three-point record. Certainly as great as that record was, it doesn't, to me, hold a candle to, to, to Roger Maris's record, in part because it stood for six decades. But you saw when Steph started to get closer and closer, when Steph got to win within like 23s away from Ray Allen's record, all-time three-pointers made, he, he got cold. Like he went into like a legit slump where it's like, man, where, where'd Steph Curry go? And it was like, it felt like he was pressing. The pressure was kind of getting to him a little bit. And then finally it was like this, <sighs> this exhale finally when he got to pass Ray Allen at Madison Square Garden. It felt that way for Judge. Like you can see, he's not really an exuberant type of player. Uh, you know, he, he embodies a lot of the leadership qualities and intangibles of a Derek Jeter in that regard. But he hit 60 last week, and then he, he, sat, on, he sat on that for a week. And it felt like at-bat by at-bat, walk after walk, it felt like, okay, the, the pressure's kind of getting him a little bit. He, he seems uh, doesn't seem quite as confident at the plate. Not that he totally lost his confidence, but you kind of saw that in his body language a little bit. 
And so when he rounded third, you know, came home, scored, hugged, I think Aaron Hicks was on deck and celebrated with his teammates in the dugout. It felt like there was almost like this sigh of relief. So now, now he's got seven games to get to get one homer to get to 62. Certainly pulling for him to do that. I love seeing history. Uh, as long as the Yankees don't win the World Series this year, uh, Aaron Judge can hit, can hit 30 homers in the next seven games. <laughs> and I won't care, okay? But congratulations to Aaron Judge. Won a moment last night. 61 homers. It's obvious. The unthinkable is going to happen soon. With all the distractions in the media, we probably won't see it coming. Your gut tells you there's something very wrong going on, and all the evidence suggests that there is. Those in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. American families are preparing. Folks are getting into self-reliance and investing in emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, is the place you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save 25%, plus get free shipping on all their three-month emergency food kits. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day. It's time to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com we, we didn't think we'd see this this year for a very long time, but awesome, awesome moment for, for Aaron Judge. Again, three Yankees ever have hit 60 homers in a single season. Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, Aaron Judge. What a moment. But again, that, that, is, that is all the Yankees love I'm giving on the show today. Okay, that's that's listen, 15 minutes is way too darn long to give the Yankees love. Okay, we're we're done. It's over. Postseason is next week. My Red Sox aren't in it. Hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. We, we still got in the National League. To me, the National League is where all the, the, the fun is at. Okay, the American League has, has got, obviously, we got Houston, who to me is the favorite to get out of the American League. And then I think it's kind of a toss-up between Seattle and the Yankees. I don't trust Toronto in the postseason simply because of the fact that they got an interim manager. They've been way too up and down. They've, they've come on as of late, but they've been a little too up and down this season for me to really trust them. Uh, who else you got in the American League? Uh, Tampa. Listen, t- Tampa has a hard ceiling. Tampa has a hard ceiling. Kevin Cash is a great manager. They got an excellent roster full of, of great pitching and, and young players, a Rosarina. And uh, who's that other kid that, that, that played really well in the postseason last year? I'm forgetting his name. But listen, we know Tampa's got a lot of talent. But again, no team in Major League Baseball, it's not even close in my opinion, relies more on analytics than the Tampa Bay Rays. And that, that killed them in the World Series in 2020, killed them last year in the divisional round against my Red Sox. In 2019, to a certain degree, against Houston, like it feels like they have a hard ceiling for how far they can get in the postseason. But the National League, I'm watching Dodgers, who, by the way, broke their single-season franchise record for wins, and I'm watching Mets, who, by the way, are, are in a, a fight right now to win that National League East division. I think they, uh, they and the Braves are still tied, if I'm not mistaken, for first in the division. No, okay, they, I'm sorry, they're up a game on the Braves for the division, and they play a the biggest series of the Major League Baseball season in 2022, starting tomorrow in Atlanta. Three games set, probably to decide the division. Good on Major League Baseball for scheduling this when they scheduled it because, man, this could be huge. But my guess is the Mets win the division. Uh, the, the, listen, the, the, I will say this, man. The Dodgers road 
to getting to the World Series, and I believe winning the World Series, which is what I predicted before the season started, it's going to be tough because there's a good chance that they'll have to face the Braves in the Division Series, the Mets in the Championship Series, and possibly like Houston in the World Series. So if the Dodgers win it all this year, kudos. Like they, they earned it if they win this year, but I, of course, believe they will. Uh, I, I sort of, I, I, didn't, I didn't sell my stock in the Dodgers. I still believe in them. Believed in in them all season, but the Mets started to get hot around like July, and it's like, oh, okay, the Dodgers may have some company here, and I, I do believe the Mets are even over the Braves are are the biggest threat to the Dodgers, and that's going to be a great National League Championship Series that I cannot wait to watch. Uh, as of now, though, I'm taking Dodgers in seven. All right, moving on to football. Moving on to Monday Night Football, the game the other night between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants, an NFC East battle. New York suffers their first loss of the season in their first under Brian Dable. The Cowboys now win two straight after the injury to my man Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush is now not only 3-0 as a starter, he becomes, I think, the second quarterback in NFL history to win his first three starts all in game-winning drives. He led a game-winning drive to beat the Vikings last year on Sunday Night Football. A couple weeks ago, led a game-winning drive to beat Cincinnati. And then on Monday night, of course, leading the game-winning drive in the fourth quarter to beat the Giants. But what I think is, is really interesting, let me start with the Giants before I move to the Cowboys. I'm not going to, you guys know I'm not a big Daniel Jones fan. I can't bring myself to be brutal on Daniel Jones. He was pressured 20-something times. I, 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 don't, I don't think I've ever seen anything as bad or as sad as the fact that the Giants in almost a decade cannot build an offensive line. They can't. I love that left tackle that they drafted out of Georgia a couple of years ago. He he looks great. Uh, Evan Neal, though, who they drafted this year, had a rough night against Demarcus Lawrence, which Demarcus Lawrence has caused a lot of, a lot of rough nights for, for for tackles in the past. But be that as it may, that Giants offensive line stinks. And I don't think Daniel Jones is the franchise quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and say he played great because he didn't. But... Listen, it, it's it's hard to get to, to get the ball to your playmakers when you're on your butt the whole game. When there's a guy in your face the whole time and you're having to throw off your back foot. Like, it's 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 tough to do that. And it's not like the Giants' row got any easier. Kenny Galladay still can't catch. Okay, get, Kenny Galladay is, is flat out robbing the New York Giants for the contract they gave him a, a year and a half ago. He's, he's robbing him. He's not doing anything. I saw a meme the other day. He had as many catches as you and me. Difference is he made $700,000. That was his game check. We didn't get nothing. Okay. Dude is not only doing nothing, he's hurting the Giants. And now Sterling Shepard, which sucks for him because he just came off a major injury. He's gone for the season with a torn ACL. It was actually happening on the Giants' last offensive play. His knee just gave out. A lot of questions about that MetLife Stadium turf that they'll, I'm sure they'll address, hopefully address this offseason. There's been a lot of injuries the last few years at MetLife. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens with that. And, and, and of course, we wish the best of Sterling Shepard on a speedy recovery. But the row for the Giants didn't get easier in regards to what Galladay isn't giving them and the fact that Sterling Shepard's gone for the rest of the season. And, oh, by the way, your offensive line, not that we didn't already know this, is terrible. It's terrible. So we'll see what happens with the Giants from here. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned because I didn't have the highest expectations for them to begin with. Like, they feel like a little bit better version of the Chicago Bears. 
at two and one, who ironically they're going to play on Sunday. I mean, who'd have thought for the season? Hey, either the Giants or the Bears are going to be three and one going into week five. What? It doesn't make sense. But that's the NFL. That's that's why we love it. So either the Bears or the Giants are going to be a a below average three and one football team. Of course, I'll give the Giants. The Giants have looked better than the Bears in many, many instances. Certainly their offense is better. And I think their defense is kind of on equal footing with Chicago. You could argue Chicago's is better because of Roquan Smith and that pass rush. But I mean, we, we can debate that all day. I don't think either is a playoff team. But circling back around to the Giants, I'm not overly concerned. I said I, I think I had the Giants as a four-win team before the season started. I didn't think they had a whole lot going for them other than Brian Dable's hiring. But they, they, they today, they feel like a six-seven win team. They're you know, playing a fourth-place schedule. Not a whole lot of games where they're going to get crushed in, hopefully, for them. But feels like a 6-7 win team. As for the Dallas Cowboys, and that's, that's who everybody's talking about today. It's America's team. Everybody's always going to talk about the Cowboys. Listen, they're 2-0 without Dak. Okay, Cooper Rush has played pretty well. Played well against the Bengals. I thought played even better against the Giants in Week 3. Here's what I saw. And again, this I, I talked about it last week when they beat the Bengals. This is the Cowboys' formula to win, especially without Dak, and it's even even when Dak comes back. Okay, the receiving core is extremely limited. Man, it hurts. It's like green. It's like watching the Packers sometimes. It's it's brutal. Yeah, I know C.D. Lamb had a great catch in the end zone. That was all he did. Okay, I know everybody's high on C.D. Lamb after one catch. I'm sorry, I'm still not sold on him as the number one receiver of the National Football League. Well, he had over a thousand yards receiving last year. Yeah, he also had Amari Cooper to take some of the attention away. So I, I'm going to reserve a, a, any sort of praise for C.D. Lamb until I continue to see more, and, until he stops dropping wide-open touchdown passes in the second quarter when your quarterback, Cooper Rush, puts it, I mean, right between the numbers. Can't throw it any better. And he dropped it. And he dropped a pass a couple of plays after that. Like C.D. Lamb, I'm telling you, we need to get him vaccinated against the drops. I don't know what's going on with him. Noah Brown, good, has a good connection with Cooper Rush because they've spent so many so much time in the practice squad together, so they have a good rapport. Okay, have that tight end Ferguson who's all right. Uh, Hendershoot, I think, is the other tight end's name. He was okay. Right, but all in all, we know the Cowboys have a, a limited receiving unit. They're going to get help with Michael Gallup coming back possibly this week against Washington. You know, we'll see if if he's if he's hundred percent. If he'll be in a pitch count, considering the fact that he's coming off an ACL tear the day after New Year's. This this year, so we'll see how he's he's recovered in the last eight and a half months. But hopefully, he'll be back out there lo- looking good. But the Cowboys' formula to win offensively: run the football. Okay, the offensive line is not very good in pass protection. It's not. We saw that against Tampa Bay. We saw that in spurts against the Bengals. We saw it occasionally against the Giants. But in the run game, they're excellent. Okay. Tyler Smith, the first-round pick, played really well. My man Ryan Flowers, shout-out Clutch Sports Talk. Go check out his, his film breakdown of the game the other night. He, he, he put it beautifully. Tyler Smith was phenomenal, creating big holes, You know, getting out to the outside on any outside runs with Zeke or Tony Pollard. You, sat, you have sort of a thunder-lightning dynamic with those two. Zeke has looked much better than he did at the end of last season. Now, obviously, some of that is fresh legs, being able to recover from what was a torn knee last year. But we knew Pollard was explosive. And we saw that he had a 40-something yard run 
to put the Cowboys in position to score in the first half. Jason Peters had the block that set it up, putting him at left guard. Jason Peters looked good. So the offensive line of the running game is really good. The strength of the Cowboys, because of their lim- their uh, uh, limited receiving core, the strength of the Cowboys is the running game. Okay, like, it's again, it's sort of Packers-esque. Like, I feel like the Cowboys, the Packers, are almost the same team. Okay, elite quarterback, really good running back duo, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, again, sort of a thunder-lightning dynamic. Okay, Aaron Jones is the home run hitter. A.J. Dillon's kind of the bruiser. Average offensive line in terms of pass protection, but really good run protection and run blocking, and really good defenses, like top 10-level defenses. In the case of the Cowboys, could we argue it's top five? You could make that case today. Micah Parsons, we know what he is. I think he's going to be the defensive player of the year this year. I predicted that before the season. Micah Parsons is going to be the defensive player of the year, and I would take no further questions at this time. Demarcus Lawrence had three sacks on Monday night. Okay, you had other guys, Dorrance Armstrong getting pressure. Odigi Zua, who I really, really liked out of UCLA a year ago. He had a good rookie year. He's playing well now. And Trayvon Diggs, you know, I was brutal on him in the offseason. He has taken some big Big steps as a cover corner. Okay, he's not he's not gambling. I called him the Kenny Rogers song, right? The gambler. You got to know when to hold. You know, I was I was I was kind of clowning Trayvon Diggs in that regard. I have not seen him get burnt one time this season through the first three games. And quarterbacks have tried him a little bit. And of course, we know he had the game ending interception Monday night. We we know if, if you put him in position to make a play on the football, more times than not, he is because of his wide receiver background. But he has improved tremendously as an all-around corner, which is a great, great sight for the Cowboys. Okay, and, and, and being able to, to help them. Anthony Brown played okay. Okay, so, so being able to improve in those regards is going to help the Cowboys moving forward tremendously, especially the way that Trayvon Diggs is playing. The defense as a whole is playing. But I'm telling you, it won't go away. And it certainly won't go away if the Cowboys continue to win with Cooper Rush. It's it's Jerry started it, and the media is continuing it. At least a large segment of the media is continuing it, and parts of Cowboy Nation is really trying to light this fire. We need to start Cooper Rush over Dak. No, you don't. No, I I think you would come to regret that a lot down the road if you decided to do that. Now I'll be the first to admit I was dead wrong. The day, the show after opening night, when I said the Cowboys season was over, they weren't going to win without Dak. But here's what I've also seen. Kellen Moore has completely flipped his offensive scheme. A lot of that is because Dak went down and you got Cooper Rush, who is a backup. He's proven himself to be a very good backup, a very capable backup. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to be a good game manager, put receivers in position to make plays. He, he is the essence of what you want in a backup quarterback. And he, he's been great in that role. Okay, and the Cowboys, by the way, are favored to beat Washington on Sunday. But you're telling me, because the Cowboys, this isn't going to be smooth sailing from here for the Cowboys, okay? They should beat Washington. They're favored to beat Washington. But say Cooper Rush starts week five against the Rams, which I think he will. Frankly, I hope he will, because I don't want Dak to rush the back and look terrible. But you're telling me if Cooper Rush is down 10 in the fourth quarter against the Los Angeles Rams with eight minutes to go, 
you 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 would rather have him than Dak Prescott to win that game? When he's facing the Philadelphia Eagles, and Philadelphia's defensive line is really good. And if they limit or stop Zeke and Tony Pollard, you'd take Cooper Rush to keep him in the game over, over Dak. You are lying. You are lying to yourself if you say the answer is yes. I'm not bashing Cooper Rush. I'm not here to do that. Why would I bash Cooper Rush? Within the system, he's playing excellent. Again, Kellen Morris had two. It, was, it wasn't very good at the end of the Cincinnati game, the second half. Uh, take the game-winning drive aside against the Bengals. That second half offensively was brutal for Dallas. And brutal, more, most specifically, on Kellen Moore. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But against the Giants, game plan was great. Stick with the run. Again, what, what I say over and over and over after the Bengals game, and you saw it on Monday. Play action. Okay, the Giants are trying to stop 21 and 20. That's who they're geared up to stop. They're not worried, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not worried about C.D. Lamb. They're not worried about Noah Brown or, or, uh, or, or Ferguson. They're not worried about those guys. <clears throat> excuse me. They're worried about the two running backs, the, the, the running back duo between Zeke and Pollard. They're saying, Cooper Rush, if you beat us, you beat us. But he is playing very, very well within the system. But if you're telling me you you would take him <clears throat> over the course of a season over Dak Prescott when more and more teams start to get film on him, you're lying to yourself. But for the Cowboys, I don't think they'll win the NFC East after what I've seen through three games. Not necessarily even a shot at Dallas. It's just because Philadelphia today look like they look like the best team in the NFC. I don't have Philadelphia coming out of the NFC. I'm still rolling with my preseason pick of the Los Angeles Rams. But can they? Absolutely. And I think they are today clearly better than Dallas. They're better coached, better offense, better defense, slightly, and better special teams and certainly better situationally than the Cowboys are and way better than skill position players. But for Dallas, they can absolutely make the playoffs. Certainly in a weak NFC, they can absolutely make the playoffs this season. So they should beat Washington on Sunday. I think they're better than Washington. They're at home. They're favored by a field goal. So that'll be an interesting game to watch for the Cowboys moving forward. But but Jerry just continues to stir the pot. And Mike McCarthy, uh, Zeke, J. Ron Curse are you know coming to the support of Dak saying, like, like, guys, like, let's let's stop. Uh, although I, I heard Dak uh, tell Lisa Salters of ESPN before the game saying that uh he wouldn't rule out playing on Sunday against Washington. And I'm like, Dak, no, <laughs> no, don't, dude. Don't do what Russell Wilson did. Do what Drew Brees did. Okay, Drew Brees waited. Remember, Teddy Bridgewater stepped in for Drew Brees and went 5-0. and Played well within the Saints' offensive system. Went 5-0. and Defense played great. Running game was good with Alvin Kamara. And what do you know? Saints were in great position when Drew Brees came back. And Drew Brees looked good. 
You don't want Dak to be like Russell Wilson where gets a little desperate, comes back too early, and doesn't look like himself. So we'll see what happens with the Cowboys moving forward. Again, they've got Washington next week, followed by two road dates against arguably the two best teams in the NFC, that being the Los Angeles Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles. Then they got two games against Detroit and Chicago. I told y'all before the season I had them losing to Detroit, uh, and that's looking even more possible today because uh, a lot of people, a lot of Cowboys fans, those two back-to-back games, Lions, Bears, oh, okay, that's a win, that's a win. They did the same thing last year when they had those back-to-back home games against the Broncos and Falcons. And what happened? Yeah, they smoked Atlanta that second game, but not before Denver ran over them with a dump truck. And was it week, I think it was week nine? Yeah, it was week nine against the Broncos. Smoked them. So I have a feeling, I don't think the Lions are going to smoke the Cowboys, but I do think they are going to beat them. And then Dallas should take care of the Chicago Bears before they go into a bye week. And then they go to Lambeau to play the Packers. I have them winning that game. Said that before the season. Uh, Dak outdueled Aaron Rodgers the last time they played at Lambeau. I think he'll do it again. He got at Minnesota, which I think is a loss. You've got Thanksgiving against the Giants. Uh, then you got a home date with the Colts. You got Jags, Texans back-to-back. Then you got a, a Christmas Eve game against Philadelphia. Thursday night game against the Titans in Nashville, and you finish off in our nation's capital against the Commanders. So, again, the schedule for the Cowboys, aside from a few games, is, is not brutal. They've certainly got some teeter-totter, go-either-way games. But this is a team today, they feel like a team that should be in the playoffs. They feel like one of the seven best teams in the NFC, at least when they get Dak back. But Cooper Rush has done a great job playing within the system. Kellen Morris had two really good game plans against Cincinnati and against the Giants. But let's stop. Cooper Rush, is, Cooper Rush is not better than Dak Prescott. I can't believe I'm having to say that today, but you know some people are. But it is interesting. The Week 4 has got some... Week 4 has got some interesting matchups. And I'll predict those on tomorrow's show. But you got, again, Cowboys-Commanders is interesting. Okay, the Vikings and Saints play across the pond at 9.30 a.m. Eastern uh, in, in London on the NFL Network. But you got... You got, again, I mentioned earlier, Bears, Giants, one of those two teams is going to be three and one. One of those teams is going to be three and one. <laughs> Four weeks in. You know, entering, well, actually, I'm sorry, Sunday is October. It's October 2nd. Happy birthday, Deb. But Bears, Giants, one of those two teams will be three and one, which is nuts. Jags, Eagles, I can't wait to watch that one. I'm leaning Philly because Philly's better. But I was talking to a, a buddy of mine about this that it's interesting. Philadelphia is a better football team. But what these tight games often come down to is situational football, which ultimately comes down to the coach and the quarterback. And I think Jacksonville has the edge in both. Okay, listen, Nick Sirianni has done a really good job. I am not taking him. I know Philly fans are going to hate me for this. Don't really care because I don't like Philly fans that much. Doug Peterson's a better coach than Nick Sirianni. I think we would all agree on that. I'm sorry, as good as Jalen Hurts has looked, you tell me one game for my life, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. Especially after he's played the first three games of the season. He's, he's looked great. Uh, oh, boy. See, 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 great. Grady is the instigator. Grady is the instigator in the comments. He says, Cooper Rush is greater than Dak. He, he's got the greater than sign. See, see, why, now why you got to do that, Grady? I was in a good mood. I was feeling good about myself. And then he had to come in here with that, with that nonsense. Come on, man. Come on, man. But, uh, I, I, I know he's being facetious, though. It's, it, it, it's, it's cool. Uh, but you got uh, Jet Steelers is interesting because you got uh, Zach Wilson coming back. He's been cleared to play. 
So that's that's a game to keep your eye on. Uh, probably, I think, without question, the best uh, early window game is is Ravens Bills because you got arguably the two best teams in the AFC facing off. You got the two hottest quarterbacks in the AFC facing off with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. I'm going to talk about Lamar in just a second, but that's Buffalo's got a better team. They're at home. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Buffalo's on the road. This isn't Baltimore. Uh, but the Bills are still a, a favorite by a field goal, which is interesting because they're coming off a, a devastating loss of the Jaguars. Ravens are feeling good. They just beat the Patriots on the road. Ravens feel like they should be 3-0 after blowing a game to the Miami Dolphins. So both those teams got that in common. But that's going to be a very, very fun game to watch. Uh, but what else? Broncos Raiders. Broncos Raiders is interesting than you, more interesting than you think. Denver has sucked offensively. There's no other way around it. They have sucked offensively. I blame most of that on Nathaniel Hackett. I think he's in over his head. There's a reason he, two games into his NFL head coaching career, he had to hire a game manager to help him manage the football game because it was so bad through the first two against Seattle and Houston. But then he got, they're going to Vegas to play the Raiders, who are 0-3. Raiders could easily be 2-1 and or even 3-0. and They should at least have one when they... Just flat out, I don't use this word much, but in this case, it applies. They choked against the Arizona Cardinals in week two. So they're they're desperate. Again, only, what is it, six? I think six teams in NFL history have started 0-3 and made the playoffs. So Raiders want to make it number, Raiders want to make it seven. They're the only winless team in the NFL. That's an interesting game. It's a division matchup. Interested to see that. Obviously, Chiefs Buccaneers. There was there was reports that they that game could possibly get moved to Minneapolis at US Bank Stadium where the Vikings play because of the hurricane. And but the NFL announced, no, we're gonna keep it in Tampa. It's gonna be played there Sunday night, possibly, possibly the very last matchup between Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. So that's must see TV without a doubt. And then Rams Niners on Monday night football. That'll be fun. That'll be a fun one without a question. Grady Edwards, Jacksonville is my favorite in the AFC South right now. I think we will see Trevor Lawrence is right about where Josh Allen was year two by the end of the season. If if he is, I would argue, Grady, he has already surpassed what Josh Allen was year two. And jo- see, people forget, Allen had a terrible rookie year. I mean, he's completing like 52% of his passes. It was really, obviously, by I just mentioned the numbers, really struggling with accuracy. You know, we knew he had a big arm. He was athletic, but that was about all. I feel like a poor man's version of Cam Newton. And then year two took a big, big step forward. Okay, played well, led the Bills to the playoffs. So that 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 very well could be the case, Grady. But I would argue that Trevor Lawrence has is better today than Josh Allen was at the end at the end of year two. And remember, year three, Josh Allen finished second to Aaron Rodgers for MVP. So is that in Trevor Lawrence's future next year? Who am I to doubt it? So he he's 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 doing a phenomenal job, and and again, I, I think a lot of that is addition by subtraction. Getting Urban Meyer, getting that toxicity out of the building, and not just replacing Urban Meyer, but bringing in Doug Peterson, who people bash Doug Peterson at the end of his time in Philly, which I've always defended him because he had a beat up roster, and he had Carson Wentz, and he had a rookie Jalen Hurts. There's not a whole lot you can do to work a whole lot to work with in that regard. So. I mean, the man won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Not only won a Super Bowl, outgunned Tom Brady in the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. 
Okay, Doug Peterson's a really good coach, and so he's he's helped Trevor Lawrence as well, as well as some of the free agents they brought in. Grady, did Vegas hire the wrong guy at the head coach? Uh, also, is everyone crowning Herbert and the Chargers too quickly? They haven't even made the playoffs in the Herbert era yet. Okay, I'll answer the first question about Vegas hiring the wrong guy at head coach. I did not like the—you can go back, check the tape. I did not like the hiring of Josh McDaniels back when they did it. I think it was in late January, early February. Part of the reason was, A, his tenure in Denver was a disaster. We know he he that ended unceremoniously. I mean, his first ever draft pick. Love him as a man. Awful quarterback. His first ever draft pick was Tim Tebow. That, that tells you all you need to know about the Josh McDaniels era with the Denver Broncos, and they replaced him pretty quickly. To me, they should have kept Rich, Rich Passaccia. I get it. He's a special teams guy. That's not special teams guys usually don't get head coaching jobs outside of John Harbaugh. I mean, Herm Edwards was a special teams coach. It usually doesn't happen. For whatever reason, Vegas played really well down the stretch. They were great in close games. They're not great in close games now. To me, that points to coaching. Again, the Raiders, they're bringing back the same team with an improved roster. We knew they weren't good running the football. We knew their secondary was awful. I, I, I surrendered that before the season. But we knew Derek Carr is, is outstanding. Doesn't get enough credit. You add Devontae Adams. You have Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, all those guys. And you have yet to win a game heading in, into October. I'm sorry. I'm, the blame to me goes, it goes to a lot of people. But Josh McDaniels first. And uh, this, to answer your second question, is everyone crowning Herbert and the Chargers too quickly? Yes. Yes, we are. And I love Herbert. I, I think Justin Herbert is one of the great talents in this league. If we're talking pure quarterback talents, I think he's top five in the league. Top five in the league. Moves great in the pocket, has a rocket for an arm, can make all the throws you want a great quarterback to make. Okay, he's a great leader. Uh, he, he can take off and run with the football if you need him to. But I think part of the issue is where he's playing. Some of the issues, too, is the Chargers can't stay healthy. Boza got hurt. Rashawn Slater's hurt. That nice little receiver, uh, uh, Guyton, is hurt. Like, the Chargers are just beat to pieces right now. It's, it's hard to watch. But for whatever reason, they cannot get the coach right. Okay, a lot of people blamed Anthony Lynn because they were losing all these close games. Well, not only are they losing close games with Brandon Staley, but uh, they're losing by four touchdowns at home. So I said before the season, I did think this was a playoff team despite all the talent, despite adding Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, all these guys. And it had nothing to do with Justin Herbert. It had to do with the fact I do not trust Brandon Staley. And I will go back to a report that came out a few months ago that Sean Payton, we know Sean Payton's going to be a coach next year. Sean Payton's coaching somewhere next year. And the reports were he had three preferred destinations. Dallas, Miami, the LA Chargers. Now Miami seems like they're off the table. Mike McDaniel's doing a good job over there. So Mike McDaniel's not getting fired after this year. Dallas, I think Mike McCarthy's done after this year. I think that if he becomes available, if Sean Payton is available for the Chargers and they don't make the playoffs this season, then they'll fire Brandon Staley. So... Do you want to go to L.A., where they spend big on free agents, where they draft really well, and you have a superstar quarterback, and you get to decide everything in terms of personnel, coaching, all that you want, all that you had in New Orleans? Or to Dallas, 
where you've got the quarterback, you've got Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs and company defensively, but you have no power outside of coaching. Because that, that belongs to Jerry Jones, and it would belong to Jerry Jones you know, until Jerry is no longer the owner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It just is what it is. That's the reality of the Dallas Cowboys. He's going to L.A. if it's between those two. At least I, I'd be shocked if he didn't. Um, and John John says, yeah, he says it's coaching. Yeah, I agree. Again, I think the, the Vegas Raiders, just like the Broncos, their biggest issue right now is coaching. I think just like the Chargers, their biggest issue is coaching. So would it be all that shocking in a division with all four teams have elite quarterbacks? What's the tiebreaker? Chiefs have Andy Reid. I picked the Broncos not only to win the division, but to win the whole thing, to hoist the Lombardi trophy. And that's not, that's not looking so good today. I still have confidence in Russell Wilson. I still have confidence in their playmakers offensively, but they are going to need to get a lot sorted out if they want to get anywhere near a Lombardi trophy. But as they used to say when he was in Seattle, in Russ, we trust. We don't stick with Russell Wilson. Let's ride. All right, shifting out to another, and this is going to offend some people, but I'm sorry, an elite quarterback, and that'd be Lamar Jackson. Folks, if you don't get Lamar Jackson, you don't get football. I, I, I can't help you. I don't know what more this guy has to do. I really don't. To convince people, yeah, this guy's one of the top guys in the league. Maybe it's because he's unconventional. Maybe there's sort of the Giannis Antetokounmpo effect to it. To where Giannis, or even the Steph Curry effect. Giannis and Steph Curry don't look like the typical NBA superstar. Okay, one's big, strong, great defensively, but okay, handler of the basketball isn't going to blow you away. He isn't really, is he, he's not going to cross you over. He's not going to shoot over you. He's not always great at the free throw line. And then you got another guy who's 6'3", not in any way physically dominant, can shoot the lights out of the ball, can cross you over, but he's not going to dominate you physically. And yet those are the two best players in the NBA. With Lamar Jackson, it's a little bit of the same. Doesn't have a cannon for an arm. Doesn't have the arm of Herbert, Allen, or Mahomes. He runs around a lot, but there's plenty of guys in the NFL that are successful without having even close to the speed of Lamar Jackson. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, okay, they, they, they don't run around a whole lot. They're, they're, they're pretty successful. And you have also the sort of dynamic of, can he win in the playoffs? Can he come back from deficits? Can he win in a shootout? Well, as I've detailed thoroughly and ad nauseum over and over on the show, He's answered the question about, can he win the playoffs? He's done that. He went on the road, won a playoff game in Tennessee. And he's going to win at least one playoff game this year. Mar Jackson can win in the playoffs. Let's stop that. Can he win from a double-digit deficit? Yeah, he can because he did it twice last season against elite teams. Okay, can he throw it accurately and consistently? Yeah, he led the league in touchdown passes the second year in the league. 
And now this year, Lamar Jackson, the guy who I have been lectured for a very long time saying he can't throw. He can't this, he can't, he can't, he can't. Here's what I know he is. He's leading the league in touchdown passes. He's second in QBR. He's first in passer rating. Call me crazy. That's pretty good. He's also only thrown two interceptions through three games. He has 12 total touchdowns if you include his rushing yards. And right now in Las Vegas, he's the favorite to win MVP, which, by the way, would be his second MVP. I don't know what more we need to see. I If you're asking him to win a Super Bowl, okay. But just because, are you telling me that the, the barrier separating him from winning a Super Bowl or separating him from being an elite quarterback is whether or not he wins the Super Bowl? Because to me, that's ludicrous. Allen has, Allen has a won a Super Bowl. We, a lot of people think he's the best quarterback in the league. Aaron Rodgers has won Super Bowl, hasn't won one in 12 years. He's won the last two M- MVP awards. He's he's pretty good. Okay, Patrick Mahomes has won Super Bowl. Now, he's still early in his career, so it would be fair to him in that regard. Justin Herbert's never even been to the playoffs. We think he's amazing. So if that's if that is the standard, we can't call you Lee until your style of play leads you to the Super Bowl. Then let's use that same standard for everybody else. So quarterbacks playing right now, current quarterbacks in the NFL, if you have not played in a Super Bowl, if you want to really narrow it down, if you have not won a Super Bowl, your skill set can't can't win a Super Bowl then. Joe Burrow, we know you came close, but you, no, you, you can't win. Herbert, you know, you not you. Nope. Aaron Rodgers is at one decade. No, you're, you're, you, you can't, you're incapable of winning a Super Bowl. It's impossible. Come on now. Like that's... It's getting silly at this point. If if you don't get Lamar Jackson, if you don't get what he brings to the table as a runner, as a thrower, as the leader of that locker room, I don't know. I, I don't know. Every question that has ever been asked about him, aside from winning a Super Bowl, which I don't know if you heard, only one team does that per season. He's answered all of them. Can he win games in the league? Yeah. Can he win with his style of play? Yep. Can he throw the ball accurately? Yep. Can he win in the postseason? Yep. Come back from double-digit deficits? Yep. Win shootouts? Yep. I sound like E-40 right now. Yep. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I, I don't really have any other explanation at this point. If I have to convince you he's good... I don't know. I don't you're you're watching a different game than I am. Because what I'm seeing Sunday in and Sunday out is a guy who is worth every penny that he's asking for. Every penny. He's asking for the Deshaun Watson contract. You're telling me you would you pay Deshaun Watson before you pay Lamar Jackson. Let's just let's just take Deshaun Watson's off the field stuff. Let's just put him to the side. What has Deshaun Watson accomplished that Lamar Jackson hasn't? Name one thing. They both won a playoff game. Deshaun has never won a road playoff game. Lamar has. He's never won an MVP. Lamar has. He's never led the league in touchdown passes. Lamar has. He hasn't won a whole lot of shootouts. Lamar has. He's worth every penny he's asking for. 
just like I talked about with Aaron Judge in the first segment, good for Lamar Jackson. Again, knock on what he stays healthy because, man, that'd be the worst thing ever if he bets on himself, doesn't have a long-term contract, and he has some sort of terrible injury. So, again, we wish the very best for him staying healthy. But, man, this is a guy that's easy to root for. He's easy to root for. Good dude, plays his butt off. You know, he he's he he cares. That's the thing about, about Lamar Jackson. You don't see in a whole lot a whole lot of great players sometimes. Well, not great players, but really talented players. That dude loves football. If he throws a pick or if he misses a throw, he's 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 yelling at himself. He's he's pissed off. Guy loves football. Puts in the work in the offseason on his body and his game, watches film, is coachable. He's everything you want in a franchise quarterback. Just because his style of play doesn't look the same as everybody else doesn't mean it can't be great. I think you're seeing this. I'm starting to come around on Jalen Hurts. You guys know I wasn't terribly high in Hurts. Here's what I do know. His style of play, his leadership, has the Philadelphia Eagles with a 3-0 record. He is the number one reason Philadelphia is 3-0. And Lamar Jackson is the number one reason, despite all the Ravens' flaws in the secondary Despite, we're not talking about this enough, a very limited receiving core. Lamar Jackson's number one receiver is Devin DuVernay. Ever heard of him? He's got Mark Andrews. We get that. But as far as receivers specifically, Devin DuVernay is his number one guy. And he's making that work. So, yeah, he is. Vegas got this one right. Vegas, you know, Vegas rarely misses. And they didn't miss in this case. He is clearly, to me, the front runner. Three games in. We're still early. Three games in. That guy's your MVP. Phenomenal. Uh, Grady says, winning one championship in the NFL is worth about two NBA titles. It's just so difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason that, I mean, so many of the great NBA players, you know, Michael has six. You know, we know about six and oh. Kareem has six. Magic has five. Kobe has five. Duncan has five. LeBron has four. Steph has four. Bird has three. There's a, literally, I can count on my hands the number of quarterbacks that have led their teams to three or more Super Bowl titles. I can count on my hands. Obviously, Brady. Brady's got the 70s, the GOAT. Nobody's disputing that. You know, uh, Montana won four. Bradshaw won four. Aikman won three. I don't know if I'm, I don't think I'm missing anybody. But Peyton Manning, to me, the third greatest quarterback ever. He only won two. Okay, uh, uh, Dan Marino, he never won one. John Elway, to me, the fourth greatest quarterback ever. Only won two. Brett Favre, the criminal, he only won one. Aaron Rodgers, one. It's hard, man. Like, <laughs> I think it's put well, Grady. Like, it's it's a lot harder to win a Super Bowl than it is to win an NBA title. Not to diminish winning an NBA title, because winning any championship, especially in pro sports, is hard. But winning the NFL... You got to have so many, and some of it too is just the math of it. One sport's 11 on 11, by the way, a very violent sport. The other is five on five. It's a contact sport. It's not a violent sport. So you can have two great players on a eh, okay team and you can win the championship. It's not the case in the NFL. If you have three great offensive players, unless one of them is the quarterback and a bunch of Jags, as I call them, just a guy. Everywhere else, you you can't win a Super Bowl. Like, it's it's darn near impossible. Uh, let's see. 
Grady says, even if Rodgers only finishes with one, we'll remember him as an all-time great who was the champion. We're just so hard on him because he plays in the Brady era. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with with Rodgers. You guys know I'm 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 tough on Aaron, but the thing with him is, and he does play in the Brady era, so that's part of the reason. I mean, kind of going back to the Michael Jordan because Brady is the Jordan of the NFL. A lot of NBA greats were denied winning titles because of Michael. You know, most notably John Stockton and Carl Malone. Okay, Magic Johnson was denied six titles by Michael Jordan. Okay, a lot of other great players. Um, you know, Reggie Miller. Uh, who else? Uh, well, no, Gary Payton ended up winning with the Heat, but at the time, Gary Payton didn't win one in Seattle. Clyde Drexler didn't win one in Portland. That's that's, that's Michael. Charles Barkley never won a championship. All-time great. One of the 50 greatest players ever. So you, you can certainly make that, make that argument. But what I would also say is, despite, and I, I get it, I've always defended Aaron in this regard. His two head coaches have been Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur. It's not exactly Andy Reid. Okay, we're seeing Mike McCarthy getting exposed the last three years in Dallas, and Matt LaFleur, anytime he has to make a big call in the game, it always flunks. But in the last few years, he's had the defense. He had Devontae Adams. He had the running game. He had other good targets like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's gone now. Couldn't make it happen. He had the opportunity to beat Brady in the NFC Championship game at home and couldn't make those big plays down the stretch in order to win it, despite Brady playing terrible in the second half of that game. So it's not like Aaron hasn't had his opportunities. Uh, but no question he'll go to as an all-time great He's no question one of the 10 greatest quarterbacks ever. I don't even think that's a debate. I think he's got the highest passer rating in NFL history. That should count for something. Okay, he has won four MVPs. Uh, but yeah, it's it's circling back to what we were talking about. If if you don't if you don't think Lamar Jackson's great, man, I can't help you. I, I can't. The the guy is 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 just he's remarkable. He, I mean, he's he's truly one of the great players in this league. And it, and that sort of moves me now to to the NBA. Only NBA topic of the day. We're going to have a couple tomorrow on the show. <laughs> um, so ESPN uh, did this sort of uh, algorithm thing. The guy's name, uh, Kevin Pelton. He's an ESPN analyst. He released the results of his, his, his model of how the NBA season by some sort of math or metrics is going to play out. The Golden State Warriors. May I remind you, and I'm wearing the hat to back this up, the 2022 NBA champions. Just three months ago, they were holding the Larry O'Brien trophy. Um, Kevin Pelton says they're going to finish eighth in the Western Conference. Yeah. I don't know what it is about ESPN. It's not like, it's not a shot at their network, but it is a shot at their network. I don't know what it is with the continued Warriors hate. I mean, don't forget that they had the Warriors at the All-Star break with a, they had the Utah Jazz with a better chance to make the NBA Finals at the All-Star break last year than the Warriors. Okay. They had, coming into the finals, they gave the Boston Celtics an 86% chance and the Warriors a, a 14% chance of winning the finals. I didn't know that the Warriors were playing 
all of the Celtics greats. I didn't know that they were playing. They they went back in time and got prime Bill Russell and Larry Bird and Kevin McHale, and they got Ray Allen and yeah, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. I didn't know they went back in time and got all those guys and, and brought them back. And Steph Curry, like, you know, broke his ankle before the finals. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Gave the Warriors a 14% chance to win the finals just recently, like I talked about last week. They said Steph Curry is the fifth best player in the NBA. And now this. ESPN is the Warriors as the eighth seed in the West. You know, the Warriors players, starting with the emotional leader of the team, Draymond Green, famously said after the championship, as a matter of fact, it was repeated in words that I won't repeat on this show by former President Obama to Steph Curry. What are they going to say now? I got to give the media credit. They, they, they're still saying crap. They, they, they still throwing stuff out there. As if this team wasn't just the last team standing. If you don't pick the Warriors to win championship, that's, that's fine. I'm not criticizing you. And listen, man, there's tons of contenders. Bucks can win it. Celtics even now, obviously, Udoka being out for the season, that helps, that, or that, sorry, that hurts the Celtics a lot. I really like Philadelphia this year. Don't discount Miami. Okay, and now in the Western Conference, the Clippers can win it. The Maybe the Nuggets sneak it. There's plenty of contenders. Phoenix could get back to the finals again. But they're essentially saying the Warriors are going to win 40-odd games. They're going to win 42 games. They'll have to be in the play-in tournament is basically what they're saying. I wish I could give you a, a good uh, reaction to this, but I can't. It All I can say is that is utter stupidity. You're telling me. Now, of course, health comes into play. It always comes into play. As long as the, the top guys for the Warriors are healthy for the majority of the season. You're telling me this team can't be the eight seed. May I remind you last year, that at no point in the season, save for an 11-minute stretch, take 11 minutes of 82 games out of the season, at no point were all three of the Warriors' big three healthy before the playoffs. Because Clay came into the season hurt with the Achilles. By the time the Achilles healed and came back, Draymond hurt his back. By the time Draymond's back healed, Steph had an ankle injury. And they finished as the three seed. All that, they they finished, only two games finished better than the Warriors. And both were healthier. That being the Suns and the Grizzlies. But you're telling me they're the eight seed this year. Uh, you know, it's just like what I said when they ranked Steph fifth uh, as the fifth best player in the league. When they said Jokic is better despite the fact that he gentleman swept Jokic. They said Embiid was better despite the fact that Embiid's never been to a conference finals. They said that Doncic was better despite the fact that he gentleman swept Doncic. I said, well, eh, I guess we're just going to have to, guess we're going to have to remind him again, right? That's fine. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Uh, ESPN also said, or not ESPN, ESPN did a poll uh, of their experts, I say in quotes, 
of who the favorite is. They pulled 15 people. Who the favorite is to get out of the Western Conference. Eight people voted for the Los Angeles Clippers. Three voted for the Warriors. Listen, the Clippers, to me, are the Warriors' biggest threat in the West. They are. Healthy Kawhi, healthy Paul George. You added John Wall. You made some other good moves. And Ty Lue is a great coach. But you're saying, essentially, they've got a more than double the shot that we do, almost triple the shot that we do. To win the West? Really? Okay, all right. I just I, I just want y'all stand on that. I, I, I just want y'all stand on that, as Draymond Greed would say, when we're back at the Warriors Invitational come early June. We'll, we'll, we'll get there late May, but when it actually starts in early June, the Warriors Invitational, uh, also known as the NBA Finals. Uh, back to what I briefly mentioned with, with Brett Favre and Grady Edwards' comments. And he said, appreciate the sentiment on Brett Favre. He's one of my all-time favorite players, and I hope he's still able to come back and become a better man. But my gosh, what he allegedly did is evil. 100%. It's, yeah, it's, what he did. And, and the more, what's crazy is it sounds awful on the surface, and it actually gets worse the more you read about it. The, the, the money that, 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 that he, he stole from the people of Mississippi. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's sick. It's disgusting. And, uh, I mean, the fact that it took the, the media as long as it did to cover it says a lot. I mean, listen, we know Brett Favre is the media darling and he's on the Wrangler commercials and he's on the, the copper fit commercials with Jerry Rice and everybody loves Brett Favre. And a lot of that had to do with rest in peace. The great John Madden loved Brett Favre. He played in the Midwest, the Packers historic franchise. We get that. But dude has a shady history off the field. Let's keep it. Dude has a shady history off the field. We won't get into the stuff with the jets or at the end of his tenure in Green Bay, but he's not exactly the role model that people make him out to be. Let's just put it at, put it at that. Uh, Grady also says, ESPN makes some lists that make me think they do it on purpose to get us talking and bait us, which they do. And if so, Grady, I took the bait. And I blame I blame myself for that. Uh, and, and Grady says, Russell Westbrook sitting y'all home on the first round. Okay, yeah. I bet they got the. I think they had the Suns as the one seed, which hey, I mean that's not that's not crazy talk. The one the Suns were the number one seed last year. They made the NBA Finals the year before that. If you want to say the Suns win the one seed this year, okay, knock yourself out. I don't totally disagree with uh, the, you know the possibility that that could happen. They had Denver too, which I like Denver this year. That feels too high. I think the Warriors are better. The Clippers are better. The Grizzlies are better. And I think I feel like it's Denver Nuggets. Phoenix Suns kind of, you know, I would take Phoenix today over Denver, but you could probably convince me into Denver. A lot of question marks with, with the Nuggets. And then they said the Pelicans as the three seed. Now, I think the Pelicans will make the, play, will make the playoffs. I think they are, they got a great, great future. Willie Green, by the way, part of the Steve Kerr coaching tree, coached with the Warriors for a little while. Willie Green's done a great job there. You get a healthy Zion Williamson. Brandon Ingram had a great year last year, was an all-star. Um, you got, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, CJ McCollum, who just signed an extension coming back. He gave this team a great boost. Excellent veteran leadership. Some of the young players they have. Okay, they got some really, really good players in New Orleans. Three seed over the Grizzlies, over the Clippers, over the Warriors. Yeah, y'all tripping on this one. But yeah, I, I guess it is. It's just a typical ESPN list to, as Grady says, to, to get us talking. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, 
we got a football game tonight, and it's an interesting football game. It's an AFC matchup between the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals. So without further ado, folks, let's predict this sucker. So you've got the Dolphins coming in at 3-0. and you know, Shocking a lot of people, right? They beat the Patriots in Week 1. We kind of expected they would, but they made a remarkable comeback on the road to beat the Baltimore Ravens. And then last week, despite offensively having the ball for 19 minutes. Think about that. For 19 minutes, the Dolphins had the ball, and they still managed. And by the way, had the most embarrassing special teams play in a long time with the butt pop. They still managed to be arguably the best team in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. Miami sitting at 3-0, going on the road to take on the defending AFC champs, Cincinnati Bengals, who got a much-needed win on the road against the New York Jets after dropping their first two against the Steelers and against the Cowboys. But here's what I think is really interesting in this game. Because this this really feels like a go-either-way game. By the way, Cincinnati is favored minus four. It's been going back and forth, three and a half, four. Right now, it's I've got it as three and a half. But here's what's interesting. And it's sort of a, a subplot for this game. A lot of trash talking between Eli Apple, the corner for the Bengals, and Tyreek Hill, the star receiver of the Miami Dolphins. Now we know. I'm going to say it right now. I think most of you agree with me. I don't care that he's an NFL player. Eli Apple trash. He trash. Okay, he gets burned every week. He, he's put any slightly above receiver against Eli Apple. They gonna burn him. He got burnt in the Super Bowl. Got burnt in the AFC Championship game. Got burnt in the divisional round. You know, got burnt against the Raiders, the wild card. Eli Apple's not a good corner. And so he's going to be matched up possibly against one of the top five receivers in the NFL, Tyree Kill. Certainly the fastest player in football being Tyree Kill. Or Jalen Waddle, who's one of the fastest players in the league. So you got sort of that subplot. They're going back and forth. But also I think is interesting and what impacts a lot of these Thursday night games is fatigue. Okay, these teams just played four days ago. Okay, they're they're tired coming into this one. Differences for the Dolphins. Obviously, they're the road team. Again, they're three-point dogs. Their defense was on the field for 40 minutes. That's a lot. And I watched last night in the NFL Network, they ran a rerun of, of the game between the Bills and the Dolphins, and I watched it, especially the fourth quarter. When that clock hit triple zero, those Dolphins players just collapsed on the field. Like, they they were gassed. And who wouldn't be after playing 40 minutes in 90-degree weather? Also, by the way, playing one of the best offenses and best quarterbacks in the league. And now they got to face Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and you got to stop Joe Mixon in the run game. That's a lot to ask from a defense. Now, Miami can get pressure, and we know I beat this drum for a year plus, two years really, on the show. Cincinnati's offensive line's garbage. It's awful. So that will keep Miami in the game for a while. I do think J- uh, that Jalen Wan and Tyree Kill make a lot of big plays. Two will put them in position to make plays. But when it's all said and done, I will take the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game outright and cover the spread. It says three and a half right there. It's went back to four. It's kind of going back and forth about an hour before kickoff at this point. Bengals win this game 27 to 20. They hand the Dolphins their first loss of the season, and they get to 500 uh, with a big road win over the Bengals. Uh, I'm sorry, over the Dolphins. By the way, have you seen what the uniform Cincinnati's wearing tonight? Man. Man, we you want to my drip that, uh, that you know they call Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Burr, with numerous R's. I guess I can Joe Burr. I can't roll my R's today because I'm hoarse. But they called they call him that because he had that 
you know, he had that icy suit uh, against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Man, I think these uniforms just beat him out. These, if for those of you that have seen it, it's 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 a white uniform with you know with the black stripes and a white helmet with black stripes because we know the Bengals helmet it's it's orange with black stripes. It's white with black stripes. Man, the, these uniforms are cold, bro. They're amazing looking. Uh, so I, I think, listen, as the great Deion Sanders once said, if you look good, you feel good, you're going to play good. So I think that comes into effect a little bit for the Bengals. Not, nothing against the Dolphins uniforms, obviously not. They got like, they got very good uniforms. Man, these are, whew, these are something else. Let's see. Got a couple of comments here from Grady. A couple of questions. He says, do the Lakers offload Westbrook at some point this season? Depends on how he starts. If he looks like the Westbrook of last season, they'll probably dump him two weeks in, to be honest with you. Because nobody's trading for that contract, even if it is for one year. Even if it is to sell tickets. Nobody's trading for that contract. Even the Pacers, okay? The, a lot of Lakers fans think the Pacers are really dumb business people because they assume that, hey, just just take a Westbrook and a couple picks and you know we'll, we'll, we'll give you our best two players, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Like, no, that's, that's not how it works. A trade's got to work for both teams. That's that's how it works. We do these fantasy trades and all that. It's got to work for both teams. But I said a, about a month ago, I didn't think Westbrook would be a Laker on opening night. Looks like that's not going to be the case. Looks like he's going to be on the roster. But when you add Dennis Schroeder and when you add Patrick Beverly, who, let's, let's be honest, the gap between Westbrook and those two is not... A few years ago, it would be the Grand Canyon. Today, eh, it's, not, it's not, all that, not all that wide. But... It is all dependent on how he plays. I have a hard time believing that Russell Westbrook has now is what is he, in year fifteen improved, and his basketball IQ has improved after fourteen years of seeing the same old thing, playing a thousand miles an hour, out of control. Now in his prime, at his prime athletic ability, that was great. Won a lot of games with the Thunder and with the Rockets, and at times with the Washington Wizards. But now his athleticism has waned. We have always known he's a bad shooter. We just, you know, the world got to see he's a bad shooter because he played in the purple and gold. But again, Grady, I think it's all it's all dependent on how he plays. Um, and <laughs> Grady says, uh, uh, Lakers fans, send the send Westbrook and a pick to the Warriors for Wiggins. Uh, let's let's start Bob Myers. If I'm Bob Myers, I'm answering that call and I'm going to say, let's start with no, and then we can work from there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've seen that too, Grady, on the internet, and I, I've seen that that about uh, the, the Andrew Wiggins to the Lakers rumors. Guys, if he stays in California, he's staying in the Bay Area, and he's not going to the Kings, okay? He's not going to the Sacramento Kings. There's a possibility Wiggins leaves this offseason if the Warriors don't extend him or you know sign him in free agency in 2023. He ain't going to the Lakers. Come on now. By the way, do, do Lakers fans forget that there's this thing called cap space? And Wiggins could command a lot of money this offseason. Uh, and Grady asked, do you think two will be a decent fantasy quarterback this season? I got Brady and Cousins. They've been hit and miss. Picked up Tua. I would start Tua over Brady. While the Bucks receivers are out, while the Bucks offensive line is beat up, I mean, Brady is, I think he's thrown two. Is it three? Let's see, one, two. I think Brady's thrown three touchdown passes in three games. And he's completing under 60% of his passes. Now, again, some of that is 
beat up offensive line and really beat up receiving core. Again, Russell Gage is your number one guy. That tells you where the Bucs are at. Julio Jones hurt. Evans got suspended, so he's coming back, which is huge for Tampa. And Godwin's hurt. So, I mean, they had to sign Cole Beasley off their practice squad after just recently signing him the week prior. But today, I yeah, I'd, I think Tua will be a decent fantasy quarterback because of the weapons he has. I mean, it's, it's hard to not be successful when you have Tyreek and Waddle and Gasecki and Cedric Wilson. Like, if you can't make those guys work, bro, just be a backup quarterback. Like, you can't, you can't make anything work. So, uh, yeah, good pickup. I, I'm, I can't believe that in your league, Grady, that, that Tua was still available. So, good pickup by you. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitter. Also, be sure to catch the Carving It Up podcast on the Grid Network. Again, subscribe to the Grid Network on YouTube and on all podcasting platforms, particularly Apple and Spotify. And right here on Carving Up, uh, on the Carving Up podcast YouTube channel, like, share, comment, and most importantly, Take two seconds out of your day and hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. Have a great evening, everybody. Enjoy some football tonight. See y'all tomorrow. God bless you all. Peace out. Gotta tell the truth on Brady, y'all. Gotta tell the truth. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.